So I'm curious, uh, having your long time in the music industry, mm -hmm. I'm sure you've run into some mistakes or some challenges that other, other people have thrown at you. What, what no. are some mistakes that you or other people have made that you would like to give advice to or speak to so that us <laughs> don't, don't create those same mistakes? Yeah, uh, always give yourself enough time to prep and practice. That's mm. number one. You never want to be going cold into anything. Um, two, make sure you got a, a good grasp of your schedule. Just mm. this week, I made a mistake in the schedule um, because I, I give my musicians uh, the whole performance run in advance to make sure everyone's cleared for the shows. And we have a show this evening at 7.30, and I had mistakenly put it on as a matinee oh, no. <laughs> instead of an evening show. So I didn't realize that until this weekend when someone brought it to my attention. I was like, oh, no. So I had to, you know, deal with that and make sure we were covered in all the parts and stuff like that. Um, you know, and sometimes you just read a schedule wrong and, you know, you're looking at the wrong date and the wrong time or something like that, and that kind of thing will happen. Thankfully, I have very gracious players who, who help deal with that kind of thing and they're able to move around or accommodate what needs to be accommodated. Um, as far as mistakes go, you try to limit the mistakes to small minor mistakes that happen in the moment and aren't, mm -hmm. you know, a big deal. Um, I found that uh, trying not to dwell on mistakes helps a lot, um, especially in performance. It's so easy to, to make a mistake and go, oh, I just made a mistake. And while you're thinking, oh, I just made a mistake, you make about five more mistakes. Five more mistakes, yeah. <laughs> and then things get... Things get bad quickly. Um, you know, playing a show, um, being a musician at all, but especially playing a, a show that, you know, goes for an hour before you get a real break, uh, it's very easy to let your kind of brain get on the wrong side of things and, and turn negative and just kind of snowball uh, your emotions, which doesn't help anything, especially when no. you're in charge of everything. Right. Um, so kind of being able to, to let things go a little bit, know that you made a mistake and, and go forward and correct it for the future surely like you don't yes. want to just oh no i made a mistake yeah. who cares um but to let it go in the moment but to let it go in the moment and then deal with it when you can deal with it um those those are the really the big ones um you know as a as a contractor you make mistakes some you hire somebody on a on a recommendation and it doesn't really work out and you have to let that person go later on i mean whether you want to call that a mistake or not is really kind of up to you um it, more like errors in judgment sometimes. Right. Um, but, you know, the, those situations happen no matter what industry you're in. You know, you, you uh, if you're in a position where you're going to hire somebody for a task and, you know, it's a great interview and you think everything's great and you get a couple months into them being in your employ and it's just not working out, you're going to have to have that hard conversation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, just being aware. And, you know, I have... A really bad. I I don't know if it's a reputation so much, but I'm I can be very stubborn and mm. and kind of like locked into what I think is the right way to proceed, um, which is a disadvantage when you're working on an artistic and creative endeavor. Yes, you know, um, I'm like, no, this it's this tempo. Period. <laughs> no other tempo right. will will suffice. And you know, the choreographer is like, no, no, it needs to be faster. It needs to be slower. And you know, you. Uh, if there was one thing I would say I would change about myself as a music director, it would be that kind of, you know, getting out of that attitude. And I've, you know, I've worked over the last years and decades to try to get myself away from being stuck in my own thinking and, and you know, accepting the viewpoint of other people. Sometimes it's just been like, no, this is what I say it is and that's what you got to do. 
Um, Sometimes it's okay. Also. Which is okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get mad about it and you get over it in your own right. way. But it's, you know, these things happen. And as a music director, you know, especially a resident music director, I, I don't have my choice of projects really. Right. Um, you know, I, I do the shows that they plan to do. And, you know, I don't, I can't be like, oh, I don't feel like doing that show. So I'm just not going to work here for a couple months and I'll come back later. That's not how it works. That's, that's not how that works. Now, when you're an independent contractor, um, you know, and I've, when I was working at EPAC, I, I did shows at other places too. I would, you know, sub sometimes or, or you know, take pick gigs other places. Um, you can kind of pick and choose, you know, the projects you want to work on. And that, that some people really enjoy that. I, I love that I have a standard, a steady job. Um, with benefits and all that, you know, I, that's, you know, benefits are just that they're benefits that they're great to have. Um, and, and, you know, I count myself very lucky that I'm a position that offers that. Um, but you know, some people really, really do great work when they can pick and choose what they want to do and and they are very successful at it. Yeah. It's, it blows my mind that actors can make a living, but literally picking and choosing the jobs they, (laughs) they get to do. Yeah. I mean, actors. So it, it, actors have a very complicated life because oh, they, do. they, 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 the really, really great ones often have an abundance of choices of what projects they want to work on. Right. Um, for most actors, it's oftentimes a matter of of luck. Yes. And industry. Um, and there's, I've met so many great actors who I think would be. They, they've told me they're auditioning for this, that, or the other theater, or this, that, and the other role, and. You know, so are, you know, maybe 50, 60 other people auditioning for that role. And it just comes down to, are you the right person for that production? And that's, you know, it's one of the things when I talk to actors, sometimes I'm like, you know, you are a great actor, you're a great singer, you're a great dancer, and maybe you just didn't fit what the producer wanted in that role. And, you know, it's, there's, that's, there's nothing really you can do about that except keep giving it your best and, and trusting that you're going to get the job that you should get when you should get it. Yeah, it's, if you don't, Take rejection as a, a slight on you. Mm. Should never do that. Um, it's because, especially in the music industry, mm-hmm. it's most likely never that. Yeah. It's most likely they just had someone who fit it better. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. not a detriment on you. That's not a detriment on anybody. It's just yeah. you got to find where you fit. Yeah, and on like as as far as musician goes and the music director type of thing, so much of the industry is word of mouth and and recommendations. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's it, <laughs> it's real. Like when I'm contracting musicians for these tours, you know, it's like I, I can get ten emails from a, a you know ten different read players, and the the person who maybe the music director knows or I've worked with previously, you know. They may or may not be a better player than everyone else, or they may be on the same level as some of the other people, or they have their own, you know, quirks and yeah. you know. And a lot of times, like the musicians I hire, I hire because their style of playing is matches the show. Like yeah. you can you can tell if you've been in the industry long enough, you can tell a player is like a rock player or a jazz player, or bigger on improv or you know bigger on you know having an orchestral sound, and that all depends on what kind of show you're hiring for who you want to get. So, I mean, these are all kinds of considerations that they're hard to quantify and and put into words. It's it's Um, not so much logical as in just in the moment. Yeah. There isn't a hard science to it. And that's, I'm sure sure that's what makes people a little bit mad. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I mean, you know, and (laughs) um, I've had, uh, I mean, even 
I get some emails from people who who either are new on the scene or moving in the area and they they want a music director at the Dutch Apple and I'm like, "Well, I'm the resident music director, so you can't have my job." Yeah. <laughs> um but you know, I do I do have um the the theater oftentimes allows me to have an associate conductor that can fill in for me either in an emergency or, you know, once or twice or three times a week just to kind of give me a little bit of a break. Um or if I'm taking a vacation or something like that, I mean, we get vacation time and, you know, everyone needs a break now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I have something else like a tour that I need to step away from the theater for to, to go handle for a week or two. Um, and a lot of times I'll get people who are like, I, you know, I did this show in college and, and you know, this other show and I want to be a music director. And my response is usually, well, you know, um, I, uh, we can talk and everything, but uh, as, a, as the person who's responsible for the show... I kind of am looking for someone who I know has experience Doing in the chair. That, yeah. And oh, I'm too good. I'm too good to do community theater. I you know, I I should be doing professional theater. I'm like, oh, well, if you think you're good enough to do professional theater, you should go somewhere and and do professional theater and that's great, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's you, you talk about mistakes, you know, sometimes you, you hope that, you know, who you're hiring and like my position you know, not only am I playing piano and, you know, quote unquote, conducting the, the orchestra and the um, cast, how much they choose to watch me is often up, up for them. You know? <laughs> um, but I'm also executing the tracks, you know, that's, you know, button pushing and I'm, I'm programming things and making sure things run and it's all queuing and timing and all that kind of stuff. And it's way more than you think. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is stressful. I mean, I have fun doing it. I'm kind of beyond the stress of the performance until things go wrong. Then I get stressed. Um, But also, I need to know someone who has been in a situation where it's a little bit less of um, uh, less of a pressure cooker situation anyway. Right. Because when things go wrong at like, you, you know, a college level production or even a community theater level production it's okay it, it, quote unquote okay quote it's unquote, never yeah. okay but right, it's, right, yeah. there's there's not like it's the acceptable uh, i would acceptable is the wrong word it's more like it's um it's something that you can recover from without passable yeah passable. I, not passable i mean it's not pass fail it's it's more like you don't you have a little bit more cushion to to grow and learn from those kind of experiences gotcha, right. if things go desperately wrong or completely off the rails at the dutch apple it's it's unacceptable yeah, it's a big problem <laughs> Um, and you know, I've, I've been there too. I've seen things go terribly, terribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> um, like we were doing a production of, um, uh, Mary Poppins and, uh, there's, there's one number where, uh, the, the evil, the, what Mary Poppins leaves and the evil woman comes yes. and, and does her thing. And she was tapping on a glass bottle and the, as she tapped on it, it just broken a million pieces on now the last thing you want to have on a stage where people are dancing and moving set pieces around are a ton of pieces of glass um but you know sure enough you know the stage managers back there i'm sure he was having a moment of stress and you know they have maids in the show so one of the maids just came out and as they were changing the set they were just quickly sweeping up everything as as a maid you know and you move on and you know moments where the tracks don't want to go or the, the mic right. shut off the or, mic shut off or um, feedback issues. Yes, yeah. Stuff like that happens and you just kind of have to overcome it. And, you know, but you have to be able to think on your feet and figure out how to keep the show going or be okay with making the call that we need to stop I'll for safety. You, I'll tell you a story of mine. Um, LBC did Science Sounds production or uh, Science Sounds show Ruth. Uh huh. Yeah. And, um, in that in that show, there's a, a boat scene where we have like a remote control boat that mm-hmm. goes across 
the water. Yeah. Uh, the stage. And uh, the boat had actually had accidentally caught one of the uh, the curtain ropes. Mm-hmm. So if the boat had kept going, the whole curtain down. <laughs> right. And that's one of those oh no, yeah. oh my gosh sure. moments. Sure. And uh, so in in my wisdom, I, I realized what was happening, and I I was I hold on to this rope, but you know the actor doesn't know what what's mm-hmm. going on, so he's like trying to play right full throttle, I'm like, yeah. to, and uh, thankfully. Uh, Shout out to Brianna Wilhelm, who had the calmness of mind. She's the narrator, so she's mm. kind of singing. But with without missing a beat, she starts singing and just lets it go. Let's yeah. it go. And, sure. And and it's on. It's it, granted. I felt backwards because I'm trying yeah. to, but it, it just went perfectly well. And it's the people like that that really do uh, having being an actor as well, having to have that awareness. Yeah. Of and there's so many uh, times I, I've had guests from sight and sound come mm-hmm. on and like i just stepped in poop yep yeah <laughs> sure oh yeah with all the animals they have <laughs> yeah. um you know the, the technical technical theaters I, I mean i could tell you hundreds of stories of, of things going wrong on the set and or you know at costume fails and all that kind of yeah. i th- i that stuff <laughs> it happens i musically you know mistakes happen i remember there was one time where i was playing piano and the conductor was conducting and a replayer instead of picking up a, a clarinet picked up a flute but they are in different keys they're you know clarinet's oh, yeah. a transposing instrument so it sounded transposed so i tried to transpose the piano up and then the rest of the band joined in and it was a whole nightmare i the, oh, <laughs> yeah i mean stuff like that happens and it's like uh i start playing and and you know a page rips out you know before i used um uh, i'm not using uh it right now for little mermaid but i generally use um an ipad with four score to read scores and stuff like that. Um, but before I had three ring binders with the, you know, the, the score in it and I would, you know, really go yep, rip yeah. a page and the page would just go flying, which means I don't have the whole back of the page yep. to play, um, <laughs> the, you know, or something falls off the piano. Uh, we went, we were doing a production of clue at the Dutch apple and, uh, th- that production, it was just a me on piano and, uh, our drummer. Uh, that's all it really calls for. Oh, wow. It calls for a cello too, but we didn't use a cello. Um, and you know, the stage manager came Are you guys all set to go. Yep. We're set to go. Uh, you know, lights and sound was set to go and they do the curtain speech and the curtain speech is over and I start playing and I could hear myself perfectly well in my in-ears. The drummer was right with me. We were playing through the whole overture and we get through the overture and just nothing happens. Oh no. And I'm like, what's going on? And then the stage manager comes running up to me and goes, why aren't you playing? I'm like, I just did. I did and we can't hear you. <laughs> so like and that's like you know then the sound they had to hold the show and the sound person came down and figured out it was some kind of patch issue with the board or something like that because obviously i could hear myself so that's it wasn't fine, yeah. me um but you know these kind of crazy things happen every once in a while that you just have to and again there's there's not much you can do if you get mad and storm out and then no one sees a show so you kind of exactly. got to keep going got to roll the punches yep and the punches keep coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oftentimes they do. So, what is it like? Because uh, you mentioned you had a fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it like to have to work these expensive, expensive, expensive hours, expensive yeah. hours, and have having to deal with a relationship? Uh, yeah, it it has its moments of difficulty. Um, I'm very lucky. Uh, my fiance Lauren, she uh has worked as an actor, mm-hmm. and she's a photographer, so she understands. Uh, she understands the, the, the job and she knows the hours. Um, 
when COVID hit, uh, we had a we had a chance to really sit down and talk to each other and, and figure stuff out. And I, you know, I realized that I'd spend been spending too much time at work and not enough time with her. Mm. And that was, you know, a hard that's a hard thing to realize as a person. Um, because you know, it was that was a painful discussion, to be quite frank. And, you know, it's um the big thing is you gotta make the time. You gotta make the time. And um one of the things that we decided we were gonna do, um, instead of me, like if we have a double or if I'm in rehearsal or whatever. I will make every attempt I can to come home between whatever the afternoon is and whatever the evening show is, and I make dinner, mm. and we have dinner together. That that is a and that just that you know is a huge thing. Just being able to spend an hour or two with her, um, and then Mondays is typically my day off. That's like the theater weekend thing, um, and we do a thing now called we call it explore Monday where we pick a restaurant that we've never been to and we go to it and we kind of talk about it on Facebook and post a picture and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and it's funny, it's really, it's been great for us because we get to see all these restaurants. Cause we were in that trap that most people get it. was like, okay, where are we going to go tonight? Are we going right. to go to Metro? Are we going to go to two cousins? Or are we going to go to, you know, wherever friendlies? Um, so now we've been to maybe 20, 30 different restaurants in the, in the past couple months. You know, I think we started before Christmas already. So um, just doing that has been a lot of fun. And now I even get people, hey, where are you going on Monday? Hey, you know, here's a recommendation for you. And and where did you go this week? And why didn't you post? And so, Oh, so, I did. <laughs> yeah. So because, you know, there's a lot of restaurants that aren't open on Mondays. So you have oh, to. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sometimes we go on Sunday night. Sometimes we go on Tuesday or Wednesday. It depends on scheduling stuff, too. But we try to we try to go on Monday since that's our day off. And I, you know, I, I. Used to not take the day, and now I take the day. Mm. Yeah, it's. I've always wondered why why Mondays are because that's like a thing in Lancaster City, at least. Yeah, Mondays well, are- it's the same reason theaters are dark on Mondays, and and you know artists are you know other kind of artistic things because you're you're working the weekend. all weekend, right? And Gosh. the Monday is when you can have your time off because you know Monday is the start of the work week. People aren't you know trying to go out on a Monday night to do stuff necessarily. So you know it's. I'll take it. The I'll nice, take it. <laughs> the nice thing about working in the theater, honestly, is you know if there's if there's no show if there's no show rehearsing and we just have performances going on, um, you know I I have the flexibility to to move my schedule around. So, mm. like this morning, um, me and her were actually touring a wedding venue, poten- oh. a potential vet- wedding venue. That's where I came from, and you know that's it's nice to be able to go and do stuff during the weekday when everyone else would have to take time off of work really right yeah um and that's just time i make up whether i make that up over the weekend or i just you know make that up you know coming in early a little couple more times but this is kind of like a salary job you know it's not about being there nine to five or a certain set hour it's it's getting the job done and making sure you're on top of everything so that's gotta be nice yeah it's very nice i if i if i ever get a job i I'd want it to be like that because my most productive hours are not nine to five. Yeah, I that's I mean a lot of people struggle with that finding a job yeah. that really fits where they're they're comfortable at. But that's you know part of growing and and figuring out what you're doing. Yeah. So what are what is what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had you had known when you first started? <laughs> oh man. Oh, one thing that I know now. Um. I know now it takes a lot more time and energy than I thought it took mm. to do this kind of stuff. Um, and it's it, it's very much a younger man's game. And I'm, I'm getting up. I'm going to turn 40 this next year. 
and I'm I'm starting to feel it. You know, honestly, it takes its it takes its toll mentally and physically, um, and just you know knowing how to deal with that and prepare for that and not burn yourself out. Right. Um, you know, because I'm in it for the long haul. I you know I want to be there for as long as I can be there, and um, it's a great place to work. And you know, it's, you got to maintain your mental and emotional health, and you got to maintain your family and all that kind of stuff too. So you, finding that balance is is tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I'm figuring out. Uh, just life in general, it takes way more energy yeah. uh, to do to be an adult mm-hmm. than I had ever thought of had had been. Yeah, and that's uh, I'm sure that's something that's that's ongoing for a lot of people is realizing, oh, this is a lot more than I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, so you work at your church. Yeah. I I wonder how has your faith been impacted or challenged as uh throughout your job. Um. I I tend to keep my faith kind of to me. Mm. Um, I, I'm not very much an evangelical, if that makes any sense. I yeah, right. I you know if people ask me what I believe in and whatever, I'll share that with them, and you know that's fine and good. Um, but I, you know, it's the way I see it, especially theater. It's art, um, and it needs to be treated like art. It can't be treated so much like religion. Um, mm-hmm. Now there's there's places where you know the religion and the art work like Sight and Sound is you know a religious institution and they they put forth their faith on stage and that's uh, that's applaudable and I've seen some amazing productions there that are very awe inspiring and fulfilling yeah I mean it's it's a beautiful thing um, but for me in my present you know position that's that's not something I really you know try to rectify or right. you know. It, it, I'm not worried about it so much. You know, I, I appreciate what I do and what I believe is for me, and it doesn't really, you know, affect how I feel about other people or what we do on stage. Fair enough. So I'm, cur- I'm curious, as an organist for them, how do you practice? Yeah, that's a, that's a trick, isn't it? <laughs> um, it, it uh, it's hard to practice organ, uh, especially if, because no organ is really the same. Exactly, you know? yeah. Um, what I tend to do is I, I wake up at 5 on Sunday morning, and I drive to Philly very early. And I use that time uh, in the morning when I get there, because I, I get there right around 6.40, 7 o'clock. Um, and I'll use that time in the church before other people get there, before we open up the church for services, to, to really practice and kind of look ahead a couple weeks and figure things out. Is your church like in a hall, like a like a cathedral? Yeah, I mean it's it's a full oh, sanctuary. That it's, must be nice. Yeah, it's very it's a beautiful church. Um, it was built in 1898. So, okay. So it's it's you know your kind of typical turn of the uh, 19th century style building. It, it it technically isn't a cathedral; it's a sanctuary. Right. Um, but you know it's got the marble columns and the tiled floor and the stained glass it's all windows. Echoey. That yeah, the be, reverb is very beautiful in yeah, there. It's a, to great. be alone with that organ, the powerhouse. Yeah. Or- the the funny part is it's uh, it's Center City, Philadelphia, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, for the longest time, uh, so the the church sits on like the corner of a block, and the rest of that block used to be a factory, and about ten fifteen years ago they converted that into a like a loft building like an apartment building with a restaurant on the lower floor so i'm not really worried about the restaurant because sunday mornings they're not open but the poor people in the loft apartments you know i always worry <laughs> when i'm there you know cranking the organ to full volume at you know 7 8 o'clock in the morning i i don't think they can hear me because usually those uh city 
buildings have like a soundproof glass and stuff like that. Right. So they're not hearing traffic so much. Um, but you know, people walking by on the street are probably like, Oh Lord, he's going at it today. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's really fun to just kind of let let the organ go to its full volume because it's very rare that you do that like in a service you oh, don't want to be going full volume like that um but i mean a lot of the the for organ a lot of the prep work can be done on a piano mm. you know like the the technique stuff the pedaling stuff i need to practice there um if i get into a really dire situation or i know something very important is coming up you know i'll try to find a local church that i can i can make a donation and and you know, spend an hour or two at their organ. Cause even if I don't have the same registration or something like that, at least getting an idea of what I'm going to do is, is helpful. And the choreography of manual changes and everything. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, gotta be a lot of fun. Um, to, cause the, I assume it's all piped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, the organ at my church, uh, is, is a pipe organ. It's a fully pipe organ. There are some churches that have uh, digital organs like Hammonds or whatever, and those are, they're fine. They, they work. Um, it it all depends on their space too. And you know what they have, um, power of the pipes. Oh yeah. I mean, there are some, you can get some really fun things happening and it depends on how large the organ is. Ours is a, um, I wouldn't say it's overly large. It's a, it's a substantial pipe organ it's it's large um it's not like you know the wanamaker organ or anything like that right yeah um but it i mean it definitely has a big range of possibilities in terms of registration and and sound that's so fun uh the organ at my church they have like bell towers as well oh yeah we have a we have it's not a bell tower but in the the organ is in the front corner of the church the organ proper we do have an echo chamber in the back which it looks like kind of fake pipes kind of in the back in a loft. And we have a set of chimes back there. So there's parts of the service where I'll throw on the chimes and, and that's kind of how we do things. It's, it's nice. That's yeah. so cool. I've always yeah. wanted to go to a church and just hear the granted you can't do, you can't do full blast because there will be many complaints. Yeah. But well, it, it, it depends on the size of your congregation too. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have 500 people in there, you can probably, you know, lay it on a little bit thicker yeah. and, and not drown them away. But when you're talking about 30, 40, 50 people, I mean, you can't really throw on all the stops and, and, right. and hope for a good time. Now we do do, you know, I, the, every, um, service starts with a prelude, which is just organ music about five, 10 minutes before the service starts. And then a postlude after the last hymn, um, a lot of churches, you know, the, the postlude that's played is kind of like exit music so yeah. everyone can leave. Our church um, a long time ago decided that, you know, the organist was putting time and energy and, and faith into doing what they do. And uh, the the congregation should sit there and enjoy that. You know, that's kind of part of the ministry of being an yeah. organist. So they stay. So I, I do the uh, last hymn, and then they put out the candles on the altar. That's when we use the chimes. And then I go into my postlude, and that's kind of like a little concert piece, you know, that I that I play, and everyone sits there and and enjoys the music. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, um, I can always tell by my mom's reaction if I if she enjoyed the music or not. <laughs> that was interesting. Oh, I can't do that postlude uh-huh. again. Um, and yeah, I mean, each organist gets to know their congregation and what what the expectations are. Um, and then after the postlude, then I you know take the last hymn and play a few verses at kind of a softer volume. And that's like their little scatter music, but gotcha. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it, organ again is one of those things that I never intended to be a, a thing that I did. Yeah. From a trombonist um, to an organ. Yeah. I, uh, 
the way it started, I was I was 15 or 16 years old, and the organist we had at the time just didn't show up one Sunday. Um, there was some kind of medical issue. I'm, oh, no. Um, just didn't show up, and about five minutes before the service, they said, hey, you play piano, uh, you can do the service. Uh, <laughs> so, that's yeah, that was... And then there was, you know, I, I took a few private lessons in organ just so I would know what the heck I was doing on the thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I played, you know, off and on, you know, as they needed me, and... I went away to college and I couldn't, you know, come back and forth as much. Uh, and then my junior or senior year of college, I had the car back on the, back on the, um, on the university property. And I think I, by then I was actually in an apartment off campus. Um, so I could drive back and forth and that's, you know, we had an organist at the time that decided to take a, another contract and they asked me to come back and play every week until they found someone new. And then after a couple months of looking and not really finding someone who fit the bill, they're like, hey, you've been doing it for a couple months now. Would you just keep doing it? Yeah, and, right. Yeah, okay. And they gave me a one-year contract, and I just keep signing it and keep signing it. And now I've been there. Uh, I think I've been there full-time for 18 years now. Mm. Um, missing maybe four or five Sundays in those 18 years. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's... a. And everyone goes, oh, I can't believe you drive to Philadelphia every week. It's, it's like autopilot at this point. And I'm sure it's nice to be in the morning driving the turnpike, I guess you would do. Yeah, I take the turnpike, yeah. And that's got to be nice and quiet at that time. Yeah, it's it's the ride in is very, very, you know, nice. kind you know, there's not a lot of traffic really at all. I, once I get down to Philly, there's a little bit more traffic, but it's definitely manageable. It's when I have to leave the church in a hurry to get back for a one o'clock matinee on a Sunday. Oh. That can get stressful because any little problem and we're, you know, the difference, it's always crazy to me. If I leave at 1106, I can get back by 1230, 1235, no problem. If there's not crazy traffic. If I leave at 1112, it might not be till 1150 or 1255 that I get back. And like I'm, I'm on the phone to the stage manager going, you might have to hold the show for a minute till I get in there, you know, but it, it works. It works. I, you know, try to keep it working. Uh, Sunday matinees, when I have a associate conductor, I often ask them to take those Sunday matinees just to take the stress off myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it works out. That's awesome. So what did you guys do during COVID? At the church? At, no, uh, at the, uh, sorry, at the Dutch Apple. Um, so, well, we shut down. I mean, that was a state mandate. Right. You couldn't really do much else but shut down. Um, and we were shut down for, I think, about nine months um and it, it was a very hard time um we kind of did um we had kind of an emergency leadership committee that kind of looked at things and that's when i became the pandemic safety officer for the theater mm-hmm. and i was kind of tasked with um kind of keeping my ear on what the governor was doing what um local restrictions were how when we could reopen how we could reopen what what should we do when we reopen um, and you know, we, we started back small and we, we came back and we started doing a show and then, um, we were rehearsing a show and we were getting ready to open a show. And the night we were supposed to do an employee preview and get people back in the theater, the governor came out and shut everything down again. Oh, no. And it was a whole, and then we were shut down for two more weeks and then we were able to open the show then. But I mean, it, it, it and you you got into arguments about well are we a are we a restaurant because restaurants were able to open sort of right. earlier than like theatrical venues or are we a theater and and legally what are we allowed to do and what do we have to do with the audience and you know some of the like you know a mask mandate and all that kind of stuff because people would come in 
and they would eat. And of course, they can't wear a mask while they're eating and drinking. And then the show would start and we'd say, well, you got to wear a mask now. And then, you know, some people didn't take that very well. Right. Um, so it was definitely a very, very stressful time. Um, obviously, things have cooled down now. We're Because we started back, we were at 50% capacity and we had to keep things spread out. And the, the actors were wearing face shields and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, now there's there's no more mask mandate. We're at 100% capacity. Um, we don't have as many seats as we did before COVID. I think we kept because we realized the benefit of of keeping things a little bit more spread out for our patrons. Um, but we're at 100% capacity. Um, we do uh, really try to keep the cast as safe as possible. We keep them separate. We we ask that they kind of maintain a bubble. Um, we try to stay on top of, of testing should anyone show up a symptom or anything like that. And we, you know, we do a better job of having swings and understudies available and, and ready to go so that we, because, you know, the, there's times, I mean, the, the the Fulton's gone through things. We've gone through things where we've had to shut down for a couple of performances to, to get everyone healthy and make sure everyone's safe. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, it asks a lot of the customers because, the you know, some customers plan their lives around that stuff. And, you know, you have a birthday party and, you know, you're bringing 10 kids and 15 adults to see Little Mermaid and we have to shut down and all of a sudden that that's the only time that everyone could go and maybe there's not another day to squeeze you in. And, you know, that's it's hard. So we do everything we can to avoid that. But, you know, the reality is it's people's health and safety and you got to respect that. Yeah. And I'm sure did that ever happen before the pandemic when when just everyone just got the flu and you had to cancel a show? Uh, no. I mean, in all honesty, usually people will perform sick. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it is terrible. And, you know, in a way, it's good that the, the COVID thing happened because actors now are much more, I mean, not yeah, I, actors and producers and theaters in general, I think, are much more amenable to working with each other and making sure there's coverage. And, you know, not now actors are actors and they're very, very reluctant to to yes. not show up to work. And and you got to applaud that for them. Um, I mean, I've seen people back there, you know, they're they're. They're, they're feverish or, they're, you know, they might not have COVID, but they're definitely not feeling well. Or they allergies is a big thing around Lancaster oh, County. Oh, yeah. Especially because our actors aren't all local. They come from all different parts of the country. Oh, no. So they get to Lancaster, especially in the springtime <laughs> or in the fall. And just the allergies, like, absolutely destroy them, you know. and But, you know, the people, I always try to say, hey, it's better for you to take a show or two off when you're starting to feel sick than force yourself through, get really sick and have to be out for a week. With yeah. no voice, you know, um, but, you know, you kind of have to work with people and make sure they feel safe and, and secure and comfortable um, saying, hey, I'm sick. I can't I can't do the show right now. And, you know, sometimes there's also physical accidents that happen. Somebody, you know, uh, you know, will hurt their leg or tear a muscle or something like that. And sometimes you have to hire a new actor midway through the run and, and get them into the show. Well, with all that said, you had uh, how much longer is the Little Mermaid running? Uh, we have three more weeks, including this one, I believe. All right. Well, be sure to go check out them and check out the rest of their season. They have uh, the Dutch Apple has a Facebook page, their Instagram, mm-hmm. their website, DutchApple.com. Uh, this has been very informational, actually. Yeah, for me. it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, and if you if you happen to come down to the show, uh, please feel free to stop down by the Pit Orchestra. We're down right in front in Section A. You can say hello. It's not like we're in a little zoo that you can't talk to us. So. <laughs> 
the musicians love talking to the audience. It's one of the things I love about being able, you know, being down there. It's, and things I missed, too, when we were in COVID, because the pit was actually upstairs. Oh, was it? Yeah, we were up in the old costume shop being piped in because it was too confined. Mm. Um, but now we're back and we're able to talk to the audience again. It's, it's great, especially with a show like Little Mermaid, because all the little kids come up and, oh, look at the instruments that you play. And it's fun. But yeah, That's come down, say hello. Yeah, so come out, go check them out at, at the Dutch Apple Theater. Please, if you have liked this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends, and be sure to check out our upcoming guests on facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen or our Instagram at the underscore story underscore podcast. Wait, did I say the underscore story underscore podcast? Is that what I said? I think so, yeah. That's, that's what it is. All right. I I don't like Instagram. It, it's weird. But um if you want to be sure to check out our guest tomorrow, we have uh, a awesome pianist and teacher, Pauline Williams. And uh, she's the the wife of Mr. John Williams. Uh of course, that's not the the major composer that we all know and love. However much I wish it were. <laughs> but um we'll have her on tomorrow and She's a wonderful lady, and I'm really excited to have her on. If you really want to support us, please do be sure to check out the shop with our stickers and our shirts and hoodies with the logo on the front and the first 50 guests ending out, Mr. J.P. Meyer. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.